0: Are you just going to hold that the whole time? (laughs) We were trying to figure out the lighting. um, And being in an RV, there's not a lot of lighting. And these don't create good lighting. So
1: We just spent five minutes looking at lighting options.
0: And And it didn't work. Yeah. um, Our kids are sleeping. The main part of the RV, there's a door that separates us from them. There is one child in our bed. You can see her furry head right there. So we're just going to make this work. So we had started our, and we are ready for bed. These are my pajamas. Our plans were to wake up.
1: And I look this good (laughs) as I'm going to sleep. I mean, look at this
0: hair. It's beautiful. We had plans of waking up early and doing this at like 5 a.m. But we both drank coffee at like 9 (laughs) p.m. And our kids are asleep. And that's a big part of what keeps us from doing these on time because we have a child that wakes up really early and then we have a child who falls asleep really late. And typically that means we pass out with the last child. And then when we wake up to do something, our early bird work wakes up with us. So leaves very limited time to find to do these things by ourselves.
1: Yeah, I I gave her an option. I said, it's either sex or a podcast. What do you want right now?
0: I don't think that's how it went. (laughs) I was like, we're doing this now because I don't want to set an alarm for three hours from now. It's like 2 a.m. right now. So we're going to make this happen. So we started first as uh, doing Instagram lives on our joint account, Jaseel and Alex. And initially we had talked about creating a podcast and uploading them on YouTube's. But because we were doing the lives, we weren't, um, we had to set up the computer, and then download it, and the podcast, and all this, and blah, blah, blah. And my podcast manager, my YouTube manager, wasn't uploading anything.
1: You know, what's funny is I was listening to what she was saying, and I was like, you have a podcast manager? And I realized she was referencing me. And basically, my (laughs) strategy was just collecting all this good and good content to to drop it soon.
0: We're like 15 videos in and he has yet to edit a single video or a single podcast. And I said, I'm going to help you out. We're going to start again and we're going to simplify this. We're just going to make a video, no edits. And in the video, we will take clips to put onto the Instagram live. And then the podcast is also recorded within the video. So here we are. So as, as we
1: as we get better at uh, navigating yes. all the editorial portions of digital media that we're coming into,
0: <laughs> we will figure
1: it out. We will get better. Yeah. Uh, but for now, we still will not wear bedtime pajamas. clothes.
0: I mean, I can't promise that, actually. <laughs> um, but yeah, for now, we're just like, what works best? How can we make this happen without getting too fancy? with all the frilly stuff so here we are showing up as best as we can in this moment of life
1: the alex and jasile podcast
0: yeah. and we're or gonna no, work Gis- on that
1: Giselle and alex podcast
0: so the topic that was on my mind to talk about this time is we were driving from texas to virginia well north carolina to virginia and we started talking about something that came into my awareness as far as you know I hear in my the community or the people I follow a lot about the matriarch rising or the feminine rising and one thing that I heard Aubrey Marcus said on a part a podcast that I really liked I'm sorry there's like weird sounds coming from RRB right now is it raining or windy
1: maybe a little windy okay
0: and i was like it sounds like somebody was crawling on the roof right now
1: if i have to run away
0: (laughs) so anyway i'll be back he said you know the feminine rising is not just in women it's also in the men it's the feminine rising in all of us and i said i really uh, like that quote because i've been part of communities where you know it's all about fuck the patriarchy and, you know, the patriarchies was got women stuck and like basically in a hole and all this stuff and blah blah blah. And I'm not saying that any of that is incorrect, but my point to him was, you know, a lot of these women are now taking the scales and wanting to tip them completely to the opposite spectrum. And I said with anything in life, it's not about, okay, there was enough of this. Now let's throw in a whole load of that. It's about finding the balance within both and I said and that comes within ourselves in our relationships and as a universe is about finding the balance and I said and this is just my belief and you can say oh you're absolutely wrong but I don't believe that any community ran by just one is ever going to find that balance so for instance we take males completely out of the equation and now we run everything from like a female perspective and by females and all of a sudden now we have what we want I don't believe that's true. I believe that we must always seek both sides, the light and the dark, and the feminine and the masculine and the yang and the yang to find our balance. Wounds. Yes. So that was a lot of what our conversation was based on was how do we find this balance? How do we return to, you know, balancing these scales so it's not just tipping one way or tipping the next way and then how do we raise our children to understand that and you know that got a lot into the conversations of like the people we know who were raised by very strong women and women in power and what effect that had on them as men you know as boys and what that did with their relationships with the females in their lives and then how they grew into you know partners and fathers and what does that look like now that they're older that they can look back on their lives and realize what that all meant to be raised by someone like that or in that way
1: yeah no i i um as she was talking about that and the uh, rv uh, a few things came up for me you know and and uh it just to kind of add on to her message and I, I break it down in the terms of like for for me as a men's coach and talking with other men uh, we are really working I say we the men that I know and myself are really working on having a balance between the masculine and the feminine right and and uh, there there's a saying that uh, that uh, Dewey Freeman uses often is like you don't want too much structure and no softness, but you don't want all softness and no structure, right? And Jasil mentioned that it's like a cup um, with, I'll use coffee because I like coffee. So it's like a cup and you need uh, that, that structure, that outer ceramic structure to contain the coffee. If you don't have a bottom or something's cracked, right? It's gonna fall out. Uh, and if you don't have a cup and you just have the coffee or the softness, um, then you have nothing to hold that softness. So it's it's about that balance, and that's what immediately came for me is like the resistance that comes with that, and um, that resistance comes from like that conditioning, right? From uh, you know, decades ago or years ago, that men were only supposed to be masculine, and men were not supposed to feel or express their emotions. That it's not that's not that's not manly. And now being, being, being that man that I, what's funny is I grew up around a lot of women and my dad was not a very emotionally uh, attached um, man to, to, to us, he, he had to provide, he financially provided. And in the motto, happy wife, happy life, that, that concept, it was like, Hey, the feminine, they're on this pedestal, you know, I say feminine, but the the woman, she's on the pedestal, whatever she wants, you, you know, like, that's what's that's, that's whatever she wants. That's what goes. And so like growing up with with three older sisters, I was raised more into a feminine household. And um, I guess I was more emotional growing up. Right. And so like I, I did, I didn't have healthy control of my emotions. But as I was, you know, my dad, seeing this kept, you know, pushing me to back to try to get in my masculine. And that took off into like the military and, and being more in my masculine a lot of the times. And now like the resistance to go back to the flow or the feminine. Um, I don't see a lot of negativity. There's there's been negativity surrounded by that. But I, I actually think that there's a lot of positivity in that. And being able to be in touch with our feminine because that feminine energy is is a really driving force to our creativity and to our and to how we show up in the world and receive. Uh, and receive. We got very long winded there. <laughs> and I almost lost my thought.
0: <laughs> You'll see with Alex, that's common. Yeah. Um, but yeah, a lot a lot of the conversation also stemmed from you know our own dynamic and what we're currently experiencing as a couple of where he was the provider and that is what he did for many years and I didn't you know in a sense I I didn't like that I suffered I did not enjoy just being the stay at home mom because I always saw myself as an independent woman I wanted to do my own things I wanted to make my own money and now you know the sense of flipping the scales of like, okay, now I want to be the one doing that. And I, because I've lived the other side of that, I understand the importance of not pushing him into the role of just being a stay-at-home parent and not living out his passions and his dreams and his purpose, because I know what that did to me as a person. I lost myself. I forgot who I was and I wasn't happy for a very long time. And in a sense, I couldn't point. I didn't know at the time what was where my unhappiness stemmed from because I also justified that what I was doing was the right thing. I was raising my kids. I was being at home. I was taking care of the house. I was being a wife. This is what I was meant to do. And we don't only come here to do one thing. We don't only come here to, you know, raise our kids and nothing else. Um, We all have a purpose. We all have a, a bigger, higher power, you know, as souls, we all come here to fulfill that purpose in our life. And I truly believe that as much as I have a purpose, so does he. And by no means does that mean, you know, oh, well, you did it for 10 years. So now, you know, it's my turn to, in a sense, take the over the home stuff and you now take off. And that's what I tell him. As much as I know that would be the easy way out in a sense of, you know, basically blaming and and demanding like, well, I had to do it. Now it's your turn. I also recognize and I am aware of what, where did that take me? What? Who did I become because I sacrificed so much of myself and, you know, if he truly did want to just stay home with the kids too, then yeah, I would be like, absolutely, you know, do what makes you happy. But I know that that will not f- fulfill him completely yeah. as a person, as an individual. I
1: want to add on to that too, is like, I've tried that in the last few, you know, like, months. As yeah, there we, was a like,
0: time period I worked and he stayed at home with the kids.
1: Um, And there was a lot that came up for me <laughs> in the sense of, like, I f- a lot of sadness because of how I, when I was in that situation of providing, I I never opened up to see the other side and to see what I was putting her through because when I, through that, during that time period. And even like, as we've moved into the RV and we've traveled and, and she's wanted to step, um, into, you know, her work and I've tried to like, okay, I'm going to fully support a, like, uh, I know that I can get there. It's so hard stepping like making that full blown transition. Um, because when I, ha- when I've done that, I'm missing that like purpose like i'm I'm feeling like I, this is this is not I said lack for a better word, this is not what I'm here for and I, and I don't mean that like literally i it's just like I didn't I know there's more to life than you know I, I know there' that like my like for men, right like we're we're mission driven we're like it's our purpose in life, and I'm not saying women don't have that, but like um, in all the books that i've I've read and the men that I talk to the our gift to the world, our mission is like our main priority, like that's something that's big to us. And so for me, as I've started to do this work, um, and understand a lot of the things that have gone on in my life and turning my pain into my power, my personal power, I've realized that like, um, you know, the traditionalism surrounded by uh, relationships from the sixth, you know from the early days of like the man goes out and he provides and he's in the fields and he's working or he's in the factories um, and the woman's at home and she's cooking she's cleaning you know she's t- you know child rearing like she's doing everything and the man comes home and food's on the table and everything that's not there anymore that's not that's not the relational landscape and it, and you know there's many men out there that are having a hard time waking up to that. But I can say just from a personal perspective, like our relationship has been so much deeper now when leaning into that with curiosity, like it was scary as hell, like to start, you know?
0: Yeah. Like a lot of things to talk about, to reframe in our mind, the way we saw them, the way we thought about them. And discussions that in the past, you know, we couldn't have them because they would turn into arguments because we lacked the language and the level of communication to be able to talk about them level headed and to not go into blame and not go into projection. Because, you know, a lot of times I can speak for ourselves anytime we've had arguments, is because I thought that I wasn't being understood fully. You know, like I'm saying this one thing, but that's not what's being received on the other side. And, you know, you get the rebuttal and you just go back and forth, like trying to prove your point of, well, this is what I'm really trying to say. And when I look back at those arguments, neither of us were truly saying what we really wanted to say because we lacked the language. We lacked the tools to even communicate at a level to understand each other and to understand ourselves And that has been a huge part of this is coming back inwards of like, what do I want and how can I clearly communicate that without putting blame on the other person, without putting responsibility on the other person? And that's huge in today's day and age is that so often we put that power, our own power or responsibility onto another person. And I was just having this conversation today with some friends of, you know, why do you So many women often go to the hospital to birth their children. And I use that example because I've birthed three of my children at home by myself, by choice, not because I couldn't pay for medical or anything like that. We had full medical coverage. I could have gone to a hospital for free, everything covered, no problem. And it was because it's because so many women are unable or unwanting to take the full responsibility of what? happens if something goes wrong what happens if my baby dies you know then you have no one to blame but yourself because you you were the one who made that choice you were the one at home right versus you go to a hospital and granted doctor does nothing different that you would have done at home but now you can point the finger and say well it's your fault doc that's why my 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 child died. And yes, that is a very extreme circumstance. And I also know women that this has happened to, where they birth at home and their babies do not live. And that is for me that that was a question that I had to sit with when I chose to birth my first child at home. Well my second child, but my first home birth was if anything were to go wrong, can I sit with that decision? Can I be with that choice that it may go wrong. And my answer was yes. And very quickly, I didn't have to ponder on it for very long. Because I also had the innate knowing and trust in myself, in my body, in my baby, that everything will be fine, and that everything will work out the way it should work out. So I went ahead and had three of my kids at home. Um, But once again, so many people, humans, do not want to take full responsibility for their lives. They say they are, they say they're responsible, but the moment they get, they're turning around, blaming someone. You know, I really hate my job. Why does my boss this? Why does my, oh, the traffic or this, everything is to blame. And it's like, at what point do we just sit and allow and accept that we're exactly where we need to be? And that's not saying that I don't have those thoughts too sometimes, that I don't struggle within this in myself another big aspect of this conversation that we were having when it comes back to you know tipping of the scales is i believe that as souls we have lived many lives in many different bodies and a book that i read that really changed my perspective and, and lens on all of this was called your soul's plan by robert Schwartz, and in this book he works with a team of mediumship. He himself is a hypnotherapist and, you know, some other people. And it's stories of people who have had difficult lives or situations happen to them. So like the suicide of a son or they have a child in a wheelchair or, you know, a a drug addict child and they go to him seeking answers, seeking direction. And with this team, they're able to unravel and discover That many times, not many times, every time, we have always chosen the path that we're on. Before we come into these bodies, we make, the way I see it, it's kind of like a a very a a map and you have points, but within those points, when you come into this body, there's free will. You know, yes, you have planned this trajectory where you want to get and you also have free will to deviate from that plan at any moment but there's certain points and th- certain things in this life that you will experience no matter what because they have to be experienced to y- for you to have the expansion and the transformation that you need in this life so my question to those people who have this thought process of because the patriarch is this horrible thing now we must swing to the other side is How do you know that you weren't the other side in another life? How do you know that the reason that you're experiencing what you're experiencing in this body right now, in this moment, isn't because you were the oppressor at one point, that you were the one doing this to other people, and that now you're just in a different body to experience the other side of the scale so you can gain that bigger, larger understanding of what it really means to be one.
1: It goes back to that conversation that like, but the being a believer of like duality, right? And like with the light, this is the dark, yep. the, the yin, the yang, like masculine and feminine, like everything, right? Like the, and, and reincarnating into that, that opposite of what you yeah. were and, and really getting the full spectrum. Of-
0: and you know, like they say, to be able to experience joy, well, we also need to know what sadness is to be able to experience happiness. Well, we also need to know what anger is because if we don't have an anchoring point, something to show us that the opposite is also true, then we can never know the extremes or what's in between or anything. If everything were the same and monotone and there is no you know, change, it's like, well, how do we know what the opposite is? And yes, we can swing to the other side. And at the end of the day, do you want to be happy all the time? Do you want to be sad all the time? And the answer to both of those is no. And I was talking to my eight-year-old son about this the other day, because you know he was saying like, well, why do we need to experience sadness? And why do we need to experience anger? And he has been to a funeral home with us and he recalls this um, moment. And I asked him, would you want to be laughing and happy at this funeral (laughs) home? And he's like, no. And I said, and this is why either extreme is never the answer there has to be a balance and we need to know when we need to go either way according to our situation according where to where we are in our life but as the grand scheme of things even in nature we see that there is always the balance was watching a documentary this week and it explained this balance in a beautiful way and i've always been a junkie for the nature documentaries and shows and it was talking about yellowstone national park here in the united states of america and it was saying how there was wolf pet <laughs> yeah it was talking about how i i don't know exactly the years i want to say maybe in the 90s there was this um uprising against wolves because all of a sudden people thought that wolves were these horrible creatures were going around killing and they all and they essentially Mass murdered all of them. And maybe this was a little before the 90s. I think it was the 90s. They got reintroduced into the Yellowstone um, area. Don't,
1: don't quote it on the timeline. Though. Yeah,
0: don't quote me on the timelines. It's... I don't know. Look it up. <laughs> but basically, the wolves, it came to the point where the wolves were all gone. And what also thrives in this area is elk. Well, because there was, you know, they took off the that top predator to that elk what happened was there was too much elk and there's elk dying everywhere and there's elk going like too way too much for the people to control in a way that the environment had already perfectly balanced it and once the wolves got reintroduced it took a few years but essentially things returned to their balance and that is the way i think about all of this is it isn't you need to be the one or I need to be the one is how do we find that balance how do we move forward to be able to create the beauty the synchronicity of what nature already intends for us to live and how we should be and maybe you know it's not an everyday thing maybe it's over a lifetime maybe it's over a year that we will see that Um, but always like returning back to that returning back to the balance so no I don't believe that matriarchs should now lead the way and men should be forgotten and one thing I you know I joke with him is at the end of the day a lot of these women want a man to fuck and it's like do you want a man who just lays there and does whatever you say and has no purpose and has no mission and has no drive like I know I don't like well, I know they, I <laughs> they,
1: there's a lot of people out there that like that initially but it does yes. get old yes. right where a man doesn't stand up for himself I say stand up for himself but voice what he wants in the world where it's always just like whatever you want babe or, yep. or, or hey y- you decide after a while and that could and that's just not man men. that's like women as well like okay. if I if I like consistently have to always be in my masculine like And, and I say this because like, I think it's important that it goes back to the balance that we're talking about. We're not just talking about balance and women, you know, I'm talking about balance and men too, with masculine, and feminine, like there's, there's, there's so much benefit to be able to, you know, be in your masculine and your feminine at the same time. But women don't want a man that's always like, whatever you want, babe, right? They want a man that, that is clear and articulate in what they want and their needs and, and their desires and. Um, you know, that took me eight, nine years to to realize, um, because a lot of men and women are being conditioned of that, were, were being conditioned. That's how the relationship space was.
0: And my last Wolfpack story, because this part of this documentary also touched me and, and really spoke to me about what it means to be in the synchronicity, what it means to be within this balance. So within... As these people watched these wolves, they gave them numbers. They didn't want to give them names because they didn't want to humanize the wolves. They started observing their behaviors and they did track them. And one of the biggest packs that ever came to be, I think they ran 37 wolves deep, which is not um, common. Um, typically, they're more the 10s, the 15s. She's
1: a wolf um, ex- expert.
0: No, I I watched, I've watched. i watched a few documentaries, but I'm not a wolf expert. She
1: just did a Holiday Inn Express last night.
0: And another thing about them is On average, they live about five years before they die. Mostly they get killed. Um, But there was this couple, male and female, and they got to reign for five years together. So almost till they were like seven. And I think the female eventually died. She got killed by a pack of wolves around um, eight. And then the male almost turning nine, climbed the top of the mountain, died by themselves. And I think till this day, they have never heard of a wolf die that way. Like in his sleep, climbed the top of the mountain and died. The big part about their story is he used to be with another wolf 40 and we'll call him 40 is the female wolf. And then there was a male wolf. I forgot his name his number. Um, but anyway, the male wolf and the female wolf was super aggressive and she used to go around and always pick on this other female 42 and she used to beat her up constantly Never knowing why. 42 was very submissive, never fought back, etc. etc. Well, one morning, the rangers get a call that there's a wolf that can barely walk on the side of the road. They come check it out. It's 40, the aggressive wolf that always used to pick on 42. And they confirmed that it was a wolf attack because she had wolf bikes all over her. They load her onto the truck. She dies right after they load her onto the truck. Later, they find 42 who had pups and what they assume is that 40 went into 42's den tried to attack her while she had pups and a whole group of females attacked her and essentially brought her to her death so 42 now alive and well without her bully around grabs all her puppies takes it to 40's den now with the alpha male of this wolf pack and she ends up raising her puppies and 42's puppies and within that year out of the 23 pups that they had 21 survived which was an, ex- an extreme rate for a wolf pack at the time and so they what
1: i was going to say how does this come with masculine, like the, the balance of the... I'm
0: gonna, so they come to talk later that he was really good at hunting and bringing food to the table and her job was to bring everyone together and gather And that she was really good at her direction. And she was really good at bringing everyone together. And they were able to reign for five years. And grow their wolf pack for 37 uh, to 37 wolves. Because of the balance that they brought together as a team. It wasn't because when he had his last partner. Who was aggressive and crazy. And did all she did. Because she was such a strong matriarch. Now their kingdom took off. That wasn't what brought this wolf pack to their beautiful, large balance. And that that is always like, whenever I question these things, I always go back to what's nature doing? What are animals doing? You know, like what is everything around us doing? Like what does balance look like in things that are untouched, that are not directed by human thought? Because that's really what brings us out of sync so much is when we get into the mind and we get into the mind of thinking of what happened to us in the past, on when I trusted in this, this is what happened. When I believed in this person, this is what happened. And every time we come back to our mind, that it's all different. We can both be in the same room, experiencing the same exact thing, and both of us will tell you completely different stories. And that is because we cannot trust the mind, because the mind creates its own reality. But the body, what we feel, what we know to be true within us, can never lie. But once we bring it up here and we try to start rationalizing and thinking and thinking and thinking, it gets distorted. There's too much up there for us to come to a clear thought of what actually happened in this moment, what really, you know, occurred and how should we see this moving forward? And and that's my uh, how this ties back into the masculine and the feminine is once he found the partner who can complement him, they were able to rise into that power and as we know there's nothing that we can do completely alone in this world i mean to create babies you need the other the yeah other you side. need
1: me yeah you need me
0: and together we're able to create life
1: i'm i'm being funny but i think it comes back to even looking at like the tribal aspect right like even if you go back to like our early and i mentioned this many times with her but like we are, we as humans Um, actually thrive in the tribe um, framework right like everyone has a role and and they it comes together as a team Uh, i'm I'm reading a book i have it right here and i'll just like if you're watching it's called the war of art and it talks about that we didn't start experiencing these identity problems until like the ancient greek times when when we became our individual like their individualism came like a like a to the forefront because you know in our genetic like deep down like the way um we operate is within tribes and so like i i I want to take a little bit of from the wolf and we're talking about wolves (laughs) but i want to take a little bit from uh from her and turn it to us for a second is like we weren't we weren't connecting the way that we should have been connecting or i don't want to i don't want to put should right because when you should on yourself it's not good We were operating from what we were conditioned a relationship should look like in the early part of our our relationship, the first eight years. And a lot of people, a lot of men that I've talked to have experienced the same things. And most times when we have resistance to things, we want to run the other way. We want to go the easy way. Um, and I've seen a lot of divorces. I've seen a lot of separations. I see a lot of a lot of couples splitting. Now, obviously, sometimes those things don't work, and they and that's that's the course of action. That's where they need to go. But where there's resistance, there's growth and leaning into that that growth um, because the, the resistance is really masking fear. And for me, speaking on my my um, situation alone, m- my fear was being connected to myself. Right. Like I lived in this construct of me- someone telling me where to be, when to be there, what, you know, uh, what I needed to have on. Like, you know, the military told me everything and told me how to lead people and told me, you know, like, hey, this is what you're going to do within the within the black and white. And my fear was to connect with myself and what I wanted as a man and, and voicing that to 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 Jasil. And because I was always told that my opinion didn't matter. And so where I'm going with this is that even, you know, in, in relationships where it's not hitting off right, right away, there is the ability to consciously connect and and grow together, grow individually that, you know, you pour into that one cup you have, it's the three cup um, aspect in a relationship, right? You have your cup, she has her cup, or if it's a he, he, she, she, like you have your cup and then you pour into the um the relationship cup but it doesn't go where you can pour into the relationship cup and then it f- fills down into your cup you have to fill your cup and and i think that it that when you make that conscious intention for yourself to connect with yourself and start to live in your authenticity it betters your your relationship and and the roles are not linear right mm-hmm. it, it it goes back and forth like um for for the first Ten years of our marriage, I was in the military and I provided, right? And and now we're like adjusting to where she's the money maker. Right? She she is providing for the family right now, and and I am guiding, you know, bushwhacking my way through the fields trying to find my path, and, and she is she is as well. And so it's it's, I I think that's I, with all that long windedness, it's more of like there is work involved with. Um, I want not blank there.
0: Told you you would do it again. I had a
1: thought. I, I really did have a. Th- I had a thought.
0: Well, I'm gonna rewind it way back to where he touched on the tribes. So a book I read early on in my parenting journey, and this came across to me. Um, I was on an airplane going to Virginia to visit my sister, and she lived in Roanoke, Roanoke, Vinton, something like, or stat, Staten, Staunton, however they say it. Um, in Virginia at the time and I was going to go see her and this mom I believe she was in front of me and she had some small children with her I think she, two three at the time only had one Grayson he was like 15 months and we started talking and she mentions this book um, the Continuum concept by John Leedoff and I get it right away because it sounded very interesting around like what I wanted to learn how I wanted to raise my kids and I read the book And one thing that always struck to me, many things, but one of the things is that it was an American woman who went to live with tribes, I do not recall, I think somewhere in South America, and that there are tribes that exist still today, um, if they've been untouched by civilization, where children do not mourn the death of a family member the way we do the reason being because these children's are these children are raised that all men are fathers and that all women are mothers it isn't this that's my dad that's my mom so when they die now my life i'm going to suffer and life is over and and that really like stuck with me so deep because i said imagine imagine in a community so beautiful so interconnected to where And I'm not saying like, we're at that point where like, yeah, our children are just not going to suffer, but where your child feels fully supported and loved by whoever is left behind to fill those shoes and that your wife doesn't, or your partner doesn't need to go cry now and suffer because that's it. You know, like now I need to figure this out all on my own. And I'm not saying by any means, like the world's going to move back to that, but that really like sat with me in a way of these people have been able to do this while the rest of us call ourselves civilized and advanced. These people have been able to create a, a place for their children, for their families to grow where there is no struggle. There is no challenges. There is no battle. And like another thing she talked about was there is no sense of competition. This competitiveness that we live in that we must be better than the next, that we must be better than the last, that we must improve. And I'm not saying that internally we shouldn't have set goals for ourselves to want to improve and be better people, but this competitiveness that we, we put on our children from a young age to perform, to be better than that person, that that's your enemy and you must you know be better than them so you can get the awards, so you can get the achievement. It's beyond me because at the end of the day, we're really just fighting with ourselves. So I'm like, instead of seeing the competition as outside of yourself, look within yourself. We're somewhere that you can improve, that you can grow as a human and stop looking at the next person as that's what I need to be better than. Because at the end of the day, we're all going to have different stories. We're all going to speak to different people. And the people who want to hear us, where our messages reach are the ones that are going to come to us. I am not in a competition with any other woman in social media. Why? Because there's billions of us on earth and everyone's going to find the message that's meant for them in whatever way, shape or form. And maybe my message is for you for six months or a year or two years. And then you find the next person who's going to take you to the next level in your life. But my point is no one remains in the same place their entire life. No one, even if it's subtle changes There's things that are going to change throughout our lives as our circumstance changes, as the people come in and out of our lives, as we grow older, everything's going to change. And we're here to embrace those changes and grow with them.
1: What are some things that you have done um, to balance the masculine feminine inside of yourself?
0: So I was very much in my masculine for much of my life and our marriage because as he was gone mostly for work um, and when he returned home as he was in his masculine all day at work he would come home and he's just like yeah (laughs) he's like I just want to relax and he didn't make decisions like hey what do you want to eat whatever you want hey where do you want to go whatever you want hey what do you want to do whatever you want there was no structure at all within Alex once he got it
1: even was I I mean I, I don't do it as much anymore but like we go to a restaurant and i'd say I oh yeah them, he would
0: tell the waiter like I'd what's be, the best dish I said,
1: what's your favorite dish yeah pick it for me
0: and i'm like how are you going to tell other people to pick what you're going to eat i'm like it's going inside of you like you should make a choice and like enjoy that um but anyhow so i was very much in my masculine for before i met him once i met him and i stayed in that because once again when he would come home he'd didn't want to provide that structure because he was exhausted from providing that structure all day at work to for other people and leading other people and I didn't get that at the time like neither of us got that so I was just mad because I'm like you come home and you're just there like you're not even existing like you're just like this thing that I have to like drag around to our events to our things to my plans like he didn't want to plan anything at all and As the years have gone by that have come more into like women's work and going to women's circles and, and starting, you know, to come in my awareness of, you know, the balancing of the roles of, you know, what are, what are we supposed to be doing? What is it supposed to look like? Um, I started taking a look within myself, like, okay, why is it that I'm so frustrated in my relationship? What is it that it's not working? And then for many years, what I did was constantly feeding him information, waiting for him to change. And getting mad when he wasn't changing. A lot. And and getting mad when he wasn't, you know, doing the things. And Because I'm like, if you would just do this, like, then things would just get better. I mean, she sent me
1: a lot of articles. Like, I could... I don't have these phones anymore. But, like, old phones, like, I'm talking about. And I would start to read them. And I just wasn't in the headspace. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like, I I remember... and, And we've talked about this many times. But I remember when she was having this uh, emotional relationship with this guy, you know, like she they were very deep and, uh, and I kept asking her like, why can't, like, I was forced, trying to force these conversations with her and I just wasn't there yet. You know, like I, I wasn't there because I, I was chasing something that I I really thought at the time was what I wanted. But in reality it was not, you know, like in reality, it was someone else's dream. And so like, she sent me so much. And I think that's the most important thing. And, and go, I'll push this back to you, because you're still answering my question. But like, as a uh, like, in the relationship, like, you have to do your work. And, you know, like, she had to do her work, and I have to do my work. Right? Like, it's not like, when she does her work, it's contagious. Like, it eventually like was like, I was like, Oh, shit, like, I need to, I need to do some work. I need to figure this out for myself.
0: So I, I essentially reached the point of exhaustion of trying to change someone else. And I realized that I was the one that needed to change. I could not change anyone else. I could not control anyone else. The only thing I can control was myself. So I started focusing on myself. I started doing more things for myself. And this happened like in sprinkles first. And I would say it started in Italy where I like demanded, I went and coached a swim team, you know, like I hadn't left the house in years or been away from the kids in years. And I was like, no, I'm going to go do this. Like for me, like I need to go do this for me. And I just started asserting myself little by little throughout the years. And I think a big turning point um, for this was, you know, having my first free birth and feeling that power and experiencing that and saying like, holy snap, like I am powerful like this is amazing this is in-
1: and we are back and I'm by myself just still want to go figure out what was going on we cut out for a minute wasn't the but she was talking about um, I'll take over for a second as she's figuring what's going on she was talking about our our time in Italy, and uh, she started taking some time for herself. And okay, there we're, you go.
0: We thought the myFi went out, but it didn't. Still working. Okay, and it's charged, so we're good. So, anyhow, my where I was at was I started asserting myself first, and little ways of update came up. Not right now. I started asserting myself in little ways and, and, you know, sprinkling that throughout the years. And I mean, I didn't notice what I was doing at the time, but now, you know, looking back at the timelines and the way it was happening, that's what I've begun to do. And it really amped up was in 2018, we came back to the States. I would say like in Italy, I, I felt very like in limbo because in Italy, you know, as, American there was only so many jobs that I could work I had two little kids you know he's working all the time he's leaving the country all the time and I'm just like where like if if I had a job like where would I even leave my kids and they're tiny they're like breastfeeding all this stuff so I didn't feel like I could really make a move or do anything then I got pregnant with my third came back to the states a month before I gave birth and it was during the time in this apartment which i did start at that old i had started yoga back like during my first child and i think that was like my introduction to this different realm of like spirituality of like going inwards of i started becoming more aware of these terms of these concepts than just you know like living life of what most people do like just go to work 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 you know get old retire die kind of thing (laughs) Um, So when we moved back to the States, I more focused on having an actual practice of like meditating of waking up early of finding the time to do these things for myself. To where before I always made the excuse of, well, I don't have the time or I needed to wait for him to make the time. Mm-hmm. And then that was always another argument that we had about, like, if I left and left him, the kids and they were screaming and crying and all this. So I was like, I'm just going to make it work with my kids. Like, I need to do this for myself. And this,
1: and this was for you to, like, balance out your masculine
0: feminine. Yes, because I knew that I was. I had too much structure. So I was finding that softness within myself of like, where can I just like let go? Where can I relax? Because I was tense all the time from like controlling everything in my life. It was just like this tenseness, this exhaustion of wanting to control, control, control and create this like, it, I was all structure. <laughs> like no softness. So the I guess the biggest like release once again, because I, I don't think there's ever one moment that we just like flip and change. And that's why I'm going into the backstory a bit because it, it was like this build up to this point. But was when I started coming around other women and being in women only circles and listening to these other women talk and seeing how, you know, they they were changing things in their life that I started asking myself, like, could I do this? Like, am I possible of also doing this? And it took a long time. But one of those, I think the biggest, you know, point or fork in the road that kind of just like completely threw me into that was when we found out about our daughter, Linnavelle, who's now four years old, um, having a brain tumor. I was just, you know, I just kind of, she's a little furry head there. Um, I just reached this point in my life that I was very like, holy shit, what is important? What's not? What am I doing that I don't need to be doing? What can I let go of so I can fully be here, present for my kids, for my life, for everything? And that was when I just started letting things go, like one by one. I was like, that doesn't serve me. I don't really want to do that. I don't want to do this. I don't want to do that. That's too much. Get that off my plate. And I really came into focus of how much I was doing throughout the years that I didn't need to do, all because I had the thought process of if I don't do this, nobody else will like that was always my comeback to was i need to do this because if i don't nobody else will and it's going to go undone and then the second question to that it's like yes that can be true that it will go undone and the second question is does it really fucking matter does it really fucking matter if the dishes don't get done at night does it really matter if the laundry doesn't get done for two weeks does it really matter you know like all these things does it really matter is somebody gonna die is this gonna cause some type of like upheaval you know, and a lot of times the answer is like, no, everything's going to be fine. Like, no, everything's going to work out. And I started just letting things go one by one, because I knew that I just could not wear all of the hats and deal with my current life situation. And once again, like slowly through that, just continuing my work, reading the books, doing the things I continued to just let go and soften. And then one day, the question of, What would it look like if I completely let go of all this control? Because I was still controlling certain things. And then we moved into a big house and it was like this. I had never like not mopped my floors at least every like two, three days. And then we move into this ginormous house after like living in this tiny apartment. And I just like stopped caring about certain chores. I said, you know what? As long as they get swept once every two, three weeks, I don't care if it doesn't go get mopped every day they
1: got swept every day it was mopped not all
0: the floors no like when you think about like the secondary living room and like certain spaces like even our bedroom everywhere went like month two months no sweeping no mopping and granted like the house wasn't getting dirty in like our house was long so mostly like the front area where the yard was like that's that got cleaned more but like towards the back where people weren't really like carrying dirt and dust it wasn't getting that dirty Um, it wasn't like we were like pigs. But anyway, my point is, I, before would have never been able to live with that in my mind, knowing like, oh, I didn't mop, or I didn't clean, or oh, I didn't do this, or I didn't wipe down this windowsill, or I didn't clean the couch. and And I just started letting go of all of it. And it just felt good. And I started reframing that in my mind, because I realized it wasn't mine. Like, this is the way I was raised. This is, I was raised that Everything had to be spick-bang clean all the time blah 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 all that stuff and in letting go I was able to create space for other things for other thought processes where before my only thought processes were the to-do list what do I have to do today what do I have to clean today who do I have to feed you know how am I, how's my day gonna look like that was the only thought process I had I didn't I spent some time like dreaming about the future and thinking, but the majority of the time my brain was caught up with to-do lists and in letting go of those to-do lists. Now I could imagine, I could think, I can dream, I can, you know, use my imagination for other things than just what do I have to clean and what do I have to cook and you know, all these things. So I, once again, it was a very slow integration of letting in my feminine little by little, little by little, little by little. And even more in the past year, um, with us living in the RV, that was a very intentional move for us of discovering more of ourselves, of going inwards, was also allowing, like, receiving right and being vulnerable like i've ne- you can ask him how many times he's seen me cry he's probably seen me cry more in the last year than in our entire marriage and that was because that's been part of my journey part of my process of like i need to cry i know i need to cry i have a lot of years of not crying of trying to be strong pent up inside of me and i was talking to my older sister about this the other day and it's because i was very sensitive as a child like if you if you were someone of authority like a teacher and you simply came to me and said, Hey, you spelled that wrong. Like that would make my tears come out of my eyes. Like not full out cry, but I would be like, like I did something wrong. And I would cry. Like everything made me cry. And at some point, you know, <laughs> I got made fun of that and I got, you know, picked on for that. And I told myself, I was like, I'm not fucking crying. Like, I'm not crying in front of anybody. I don't care what happens. Like I am not crying. And, you know, I got called many times by my cousins and sisters, the stone cold bitch. And. Heart of stone and all of that. (laughs) And and a lot of you know, becoming a mother, like I started softening, but there was still like to other people, it I still had this like wall of like I can't be that with other people, can't be that with my partner, can't show that side of me. That's vulnerability, that's bad. You don't show that to people. And it's like, how much pain do we hold onto? Because we're too afraid to show that. Side of ourselves and you know I was like what would it look like if I just start sharing my pain if I just start showing this side to people and you know allowing other people to see this and what I've received is just that we all have it you know it's all inside of us a lot of us just put on these facades and shows and masks and we go about our lives hiding this part of ourselves and me coming into my feminine has allowed him to rise up in his masculine and the balance feels so much better because there is no pressure on me anymore it's we share what we're going through now we share our experiences we share all these parts of ourselves and I can say that in doing so and, and and me doing it just authentically for myself he has been able to do this for himself and we have been able to do it together and we both have shared things in the past year that for 10 years or longer we had never shared with ourselves you know we had not you know things that he's never shared with anyone and we've been able to open up that side of us and i can say you know there was a one point in my life that i thought like you know we may die and i may never say this to him like ever and now we were able to face you know see each other fully and granted we never know a person fully but that is part of our intention now is to try as much as we can to speak what comes to our mind at all times to share all parts of ourselves because in that sharing when it's up here it seems like it's scary for to make it come out and then it comes out and it's like okay that wasn't that scary like i thought this person was going to react this way or have this thought and this and it's We're going to these stories in our heads and that's where the fear comes up and all this stuff comes up, comes up, but we have to try, like, what do you have to lose in saying it and seeing what happens? And if it doesn't go the way you thought, then, you know, oh, well, you did it. And, and that's the thing. It's like that expectation. Don't put it on the other person. It's like, I want to share this because it's on my mind, not because I want you to change or tell me or react or respond. This is on my mind. This is my truth. And I want to share this from me. And that has, once again, my, my allowing my feminine to come out and receive and be vulnerable has allowed me to share parts of myself that I thought in the past I would never share with Mm -hmm. anyone or my partners or anyone in my life.
1: Thank you. That was beautiful. Very beautiful.
0: I was like, we're coming up in an hour and four minutes here. And this is a lot longer than I thought it would go.
1: Yeah, you just spoke for like 12 minutes, but it was good. It was like, <laughs> I was actually looking at the time. like So some people might have think I was falling asleep, but I was actually like looking at the uh, time.
0: He needs glasses. He was waiting.
1: Um. Yeah. I want to just answer that question for myself for a second. And I think you had, not I think, I know you said a lot of things, but I just wanted to say, and I can only speak for myself, but I know there's men out there that felt like are going through this as well. And, and I hope that just me being authentic and how I've handled this and, and approaching this helps people in, in that alone. I was not able to hear her and her pain or hold her um, emotions properly before this past year. And uh, a lot of my, a lot of our, and I'm not taking on her trauma by any means or things that she was struggling with. I'm talking more specifically for me, but a lot of our relationship um, disconnect was my inability to be able to like connect with my heart. I was always here and I was always projecting but my inability to connect with my heart and really like dig deep into what where I was at um, in a lot of situations got us there. But um, energy is contagious, right? Like that's the, I think that's a very important piece that a lot of people um, should understand is energy is contagious, positive and negative. And if you're focusing on the positive, then positivity is going to come from it. If you're focusing on the negative, the negativity is going to come on it. And the first nine years of our marriage, there was a lot of negativity. And we always leaned into the negativity. You know, it, it was insecurity by me it was, um, you know, um, her not voicing, you know, like how, you know, like that she wanted me to, me- well, I guess you did voice. I don't want to speak no. for you. Let me just speak for me. My insecurity for me. And, and, um, my, um, fuck it, we're being authentic, like me going through her phone and seeing her reaching out to other men and talking with other men and me not really telling her how I like, like handling that in a healthy way. And, and, um, me just going with the flow of like, Hey, this is how life should be. Like, I should be the provider and I, I should just stay in my lane. Uh, and I was able to get out of my masculine um and and start to understand what i i needed as a person as a man by meditating and by journaling and by uh by really pushing myself out of my head and into my heart and i did that by surrounding myself with other men uh you know i am this this was a linchpin for me you know the year a year ago um a few weeks ago, a year, uh, was, was where I really made the most trans transformation in my life. I knew that I needed to make these, these, uh, changes for myself because I knew I was miserable, but it, it took me really to be by myself to, to make this transformation. And they say that with the light, you have to go in the dark. You really have to go in the dark and shine light on the dark to, to be able to, um, to really understand yourself. Like when you when you're uh, by yourself, you really get into the depths of who you are. And and that helps you open your ability to, um, to, to grow with, with her, right? Or I say you, I statements here, I grow with her. And I've realized that now leaning into all of that, we choose positivity 90% of the time. And I will say that, and, and I think a lot of couples are have experienced this or are experiencing this, but like we, we didn't have sex. We didn't have sex in the healthiest place, right? I had a thought as I was riding my bike today, to work was, what was my relationship to my orgasm? And I said this to a conversation in a conversation we were having and I didn't go in the depths, but this is a great opportunity to is like my relationship to my orgasm as a man, right? The, the sexual energy, which is tied to the creative energy. Mm-hmm. My sexual energy was about controlling. It's about validation. It was about um, that I had, I had, a, I was, I had a need like, or not a need. Um, I felt like I was needed. Right. And with that, I was I was focused on the negative side of the orgasm of the control and the validation that when I was when we when she would get off. Right. Like it wasn't a healthy. I mean, like she's getting off. I can't speak for her, but like it was a surface level and there wasn't a, it wasn't a healing. Um, and and I've come to learn over the last couple of weeks as I've learned, I've del- dove into more sexuality lately is that orgasm like the sexual encounter between a couple or even with yourself is healing it should be healing Mm -hmm. and it wasn't healing and in our case because i was doing it from a control aspect and
0: setting intention we set before we do anything right what is what is the intention that we're setting um in anything we do in life
1: and you know. I mentioned orgasm, I go straight to sex is because our sexual energy and our creative energy are tied together. And I lacked so much creative expression in my life and creative energy in my life, because I was always following the flow of everything that was was told to me like I was this is where I was going. This is what I was doing. This is how I was supposed to live my life. And as I've stepped out of that framework, and I've stepped into this life and and starting to see myself in a different manner it's been tough and that's the feminine side of it right like i was i removed myself from the, the so much structure to all this softness and now i'm trying to get back into the balance of structure and softness because that that is where i have found uh, early on in my my practice of of having some structure in my daily routines for myself I've, I've come to an even balance internally. So I'm still going to, we're going to explore this and we're going to communicate through this. This, I I will credit the Lacey and Flynn show and what they're doing in their podcast of having sex and communicating conscious relating and things of that nature. to really taking a step in our, in our relationship. Uh, We've been having more sex the last year, more connected sex on my my behalf I can't speak for you but like we've been it's been the best year of our relationship ever and it's just the beginning you know like we're in year 11
0: I don't do math in my head you know I'm being
1: being funny I knew we're in we're year 11 and like this is the best that uh, our relationship's been and this is just the beginning and we both know that and so it comes to the where where we put our focus, positive and, and negative. And a, a lot of times there's the resentment that we're afraid to that not we're afraid. We are, have not processed properly and are we we start to project. I start to I I was projecting uh that and now that I've come into my awareness I've, I've been able to meditate and drop into my heart and feel where I'm at and why does something that she's doing triggering me. Or, or why is something that my son or my kid, my girls, or someone's doing that's triggering me and being able to articulate that. And many times I've told her, like, hey, I'm not asking you for feedback. I'm just telling you how I feel right now. And, and you know, vice versa. And oftentimes, like, we just want, you just want to be heard. All right. And that's how I've balanced my masculine and feminine
0: and that's a wrap it's always a
1: work it's always uh it's always a balance right and uh we we enjoyed I, like i said i don't know we didn't have an intention on where this was going
0: i thought it was gonna be 20 minutes
1: and we're at an hour and that's great this podcast will evolve and uh my hair will get longer and just still will not be in
0: my hair will get longer too <laughs> yeah. we're we're both on a hair growth journey
1: yeah and uh i was so stiff you know like a body check and what are you feeling in your body report? oh i'm not
0: feeling stiff i kind of i want to stretch my legs up but then they're like in the frame so i've been keeping them down but that's about it i just want to stretch my legs up.
1: yeah i've been feeling like really stiff because uh the way that this pillow has me but that's okay
0: I mean, it's because you gotta
1: you look like you're sweating
0: put your boop i'm not sweating <laughs> i don't sweat i glisten you have to move your your can uh, you see that on your now? butt back Anyway. So you can sit straight. Yeah, it's um, called an oily nose. That's no. not sweat. No. That's what's up.
1: Well, thank you for listening. Please, this is a brand new podcast. Um,
0: like, listen, share.
1: I think the most important review. thing is like a review would help. Review would help. A five star. Yeah. What would.
0: what landed for you? What didn't? Comment. Let us know what are you going through. Any topics you would like us to hit on? I mean, we're gonna just be going down a lot of things some things we're talking about from the past some things we're going to be exploring in the moment and just the way we process things the way we communicate now because it was something that neither of us saw or heard or knew from the people around us like we honestly didn't know how to communicate and we kind of had to like go run to different groups to figure out how to communicate and then bring it back to the relationship um one big thing that we talked about before we started our ig lives was how do we combine you know what men are doing in their men's group and what women are doing in their women's group into the space of the relationship like how do we do this together how does it look together because you know there's the women only spaces there's the men only spaces well what does it look like when we bring it into the room when we bring it back home how do we integrate that within ourselves within each other within our families with our children living busy lives So once again, it's just the realistic of what it looks like. How do we work through it? You know, and so lots of more conversations about how we're making this function within a family unit and living in an RV. (laughs) All
1: right. We just spoke a little extra. It's time to go get busy.
0: (laughs) Have a good night (laughs) or morning or afternoon, wherever you are. It's morning time. Well, not for everybody.
1: You don't know when people listen to this.
0: All right. Bye, Jacelyn and Alex. Check it out.